Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Warden. My guest today is... Wine Genie. The Wine Genie. So what's your real name, Wine Genie? So, my real name is Georgia. Georgia. But for my international friends, I'm just Georgia. So you're a Greek national? Exactly. I was born and raised in Athens. Okay. And did you have a wine background? Not really. Uh, We're a very traditional, I would say, Greek family. My father is a doctor. My mother is a teacher. And we are four kids. So we're Were you the eldest? I have three older sisters and one younger. So we're like the typical holy Greek family. Okay. So were you good in school? Yes. And then? What did you say? Were you good in school? Were you a good student at school? uh, Yes. I think I was the typical uh, geek. I really liked studying. I loved being, you know, very in the top of my class. So So you're quite competitive? Not really. No? I'm not competitive. I'm mostly competitive with myself. I always push myself to reach the highest level that I can, but not with others. So um, after you left school, did you go to university? Yes. What did you study? I studied uh, chemical engineering. In Greece, you know, we love studies. We start from bachelor's, we go to master's, we do PhDs. So did you do all that as well? I have a master's degree in chemical engineering. So are you a doctor or not? Not yet. Okay. (laughs) So where did you work when you were a chemical engineer? So after I graduated, I did quite a lot of things. I'm very, a big multitasker. And actually, I was trying to find myself. So I worked in the commercial part, in the marketing side, a bit in the um, product development. But then I decided that this life wasn't for me. So I quit everything. How old were you when you quit? I was 24. Oh, it sounds like you've like 50 years in a company. Then I quit. Like, <laughs> four years as a chemical engineer. That's, that's not exactly purgatory, is it? So obviously you obviously had probably a, a, a safe job, good salary. Maybe the work wasn't the most fascinating, but you had trained for it. What was your next step? So I always had in mind that I want to do something in the wine. And when I quit my job, I decided to move to Santorini. I guess you know Santorini, it's one of the... <laughs> so just to give us a very quick detail, Santorini. Santorini, one of the most popular touristic places in Greece. So what is it, an island? It's an island, volcanic island, uh, super touristic, and one of the top wine destinations. Mm, we produce there the variety Asirtiko. Which Asirtico. is a white wine grape. It's a white wine, it's a white grape. Uh, which is very, very aggressive, super acidic, super mineral. A lot of wine people in Greece, when they want to do a big step, let's say, in their career, they go there. To Santorini? Yes. Really? Either if if they want to, let's say, produce wine, or if they want to start doing something in the communication, marketing, Santorini is the place to go. And it's actually the place that changed my perspective of wine completely. Because I met people from all around the world, and... It was a really eye-opening experience for me. So it's like a melting pot, Santorini. A volcanic soil, obviously it's a volcanic island. Exactly. It's a volcano that's collapsed into the sea, right? Exactly. The energy there is amazing. If you go either for vacation or to work, you can really feel these vibes of the volcano. It really affects you. So you've basically gone from chemical engineer to being a hippie. (laughs) Yeah, talking about vibes and all the rest of it. Yeah? You know what? Engineers are really romantic people. Are they? Yes. Yeah, this is a wine podcast, not, <laughs> not a Lonely Hearts podcast, but we can certainly switch tracks if you want. So did you, when you went there, you were um, obviously to Santorini, you had your reasons. I mean, was that also for love or just purely for your own personal experience? And No, it was for my personal growth. And I felt that there was a point in my life that I wanted to do something 
to be inspired. So I started working for the marketing communication side and uh, wine tourism. For, for the island of Santorini? Yes, I was working in, uh, in a boutique winery there in the wine tourism part. So I had the chance to meet people from all around the world. And for me, that was something very interesting because I started to be interesting on how to communicate wine to them. At this point, I wasn't very experienced in wine because I have already done the WSET courses. Wine and Spirit Education Trust. Yes, exactly. But for me, let's say there was this seed planted in my head that maybe this is the way for me to go, to start communicating wine to people who might have no idea about it. But all wine or just Greek wine? Wine. In general. In the beginning. So were you, I mean, were you tasting a lot of wines on Santorini as well? So basically when you, I mean, we obviously you were tasting wine on Santorini, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you weren't interested in writing tasting notes on a blog, um, but you were much more interested in actual how producers can communicate with consumers and how consumers can communicate with each other, I guess. When I was in Santorini, I was mostly interested in the communication of wine to the consumers. And also I started doing the blog of the winery and starting doing some social media. That was just the beginning for me. So wineries would pay you to organize their website and and Twitter feeds and things like that? No, at this point, for me, it was just me working in this winery for the season, for seven months. And And I started doing a small blog for them and social media for them. So when the season ended, I started having some thoughts. I thought to myself that I want to do something more and I want to be more of a professional. So at this point, I decided to start a master's degree in wine management. This is what changed my life. Because with this degree, I had the chance to travel in 30 countries around the world, to meet professionals, talk with them about practically anything. We met people from um, the business side, people from the production side, people from the communication, journalists, educators. So it was a master's degree to help you to have an overview of the wine market in general. And this is how I started my personal blog. So what were the trends that you identified then when you were doing that? You mean in terms of wine communication? Yeah, I mean, trends in, yeah, obviously in terms of how the communication reflects what's actually going on in the vineyard or the winery. The funny thing is that when it comes to wine communication, there are no rules. Wine world is so diverse that you can't really do the same thing for a winery in Bordeaux and a winery, let's say, in South South Africa. So for me, the fact that the millennials, my generation, we're trying to do something different in the wine communication is really important because we can, let's say, reshape how millennials perceive wine. But because the role of a wine communicator is relatively new, we should really reevaluate and think what we want to accomplish with what we do. So for me, if you want to communicate the wine, it's very important to teach, first of all, a winery how to do it. So what are the, I mean, if I have a winery, maybe I have a website, just the usual stuff, technical sheets, a little bit, oh, we got a, it's a family winery, blah, blah, blah. We, our wines are great, blah, blah, blah. And three of them have a pH of 3.7 or something. That's pretty boring stuff. So how are you going to change my boring, dull website and my boring, dull uh, point of sale stuff? So what I really believe is that A small voice has a power. I also started as a small voice. So what I usually consult to small wineries is to follow what in cinema we call the hero's journey. So It's quite a Greek concept as well, isn't it? The idea of a hero (laughs) and a journey, yeah? But really, if you think about it, it works. And especially in social media, 
because now small wineries understand the power of communication, it's important to have a personality. It's like in social life. If you don't have a personality, you disappear. So I think it's very important for a winery to find a unique voice. And this is not very difficult because you can build a voice based on the family that you're talking with. For example, I was talking with a family in Greece. They have three kids. There is the winemaker and there is also the wife of the winemaker. The wife is the marketing butterfly. This is a person that she knows nothing about marketing, but she loves it. So if you sit with the family and you understand their personalities, each one of them can do something different in the social media. They can be their own ambassadors. They can be the best ones. So basically you're saying communication direct from the horse's mouth, we're saying is actually direct from the winery itself rather than through a third party that could exactly. even be used. So you, what you're saying is you're you're pushing them in the, or suggesting they go in a certain direction without actually writing their press releases or anything like that. You're saying develop your own register if you like. For me, I, I think that you can build your own voice, but an influencer can also help you. So, for example, I can help a winery to be discovered, but if you want to have a win-win collaboration, the winery needs to also to, to play its own part. So, for example, imagine I post about the winery, okay? A fantastic post, very engaging. Like a blog post you're talking about, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. You check my post. Mm-hmm. You click on the winery. How many people do you think that will follow actually the page of the winery? Not many. Just a few. Because when you check the page of the winery, if it's not engaging enough, what's the reason for you to follow them? So, this is why I consult the wineries to build also your own story and it's not difficult but this idea of storytelling is is becoming very popular Uh, you talk about this narrative and not making it really boring like the classic you know my grandfather founded it dad took over now i'm running it full stop to add a little bit of color and personality to it but i guess for you that's kind of like so obvious but so many wine and for me it is it's but they just don't do it Um, and they're always amazed about wine writers or people like you that can write stuff and i think maybe the fault is that they are terrified of actually writing anything maybe because they think it's a bit boring or because they know their own history. Why would anybody care that my granddad founded the winery in 1912 or something? Is your approach a little bit of um, a punch and then a stroke? How do you do do it? If I'm a winery, a really boring winery, I've got a great story to tell, but I'm actually a really boring person. How how are you going to get me to listen to you? You know what? It's very interesting that you can approach actually the kids of the family. At least what I see, because currently I was living in Greece, the new generation are those who understand social media. So for example, their father doesn't know me, but they know me, so maybe they will contact me. We're gonna have a coffee or a a wine. They will uh, persuade their parents that it's something that can really work. So for me, the key is to talk to to people of of your own age. And I think it's the same in Italy, right? I mean, mostly, the family-run businesses, they also include the, the kids, no? So for me, it's very important to talk to a person that he can understand you. I mean, how cost-effective? I mean, it's one of your arguments that it's actually a very cost-effective way of doing your own marketing. How do you make that argument to them as well? The thing with internet is that it's free and it's there. And for example, no one taught me how to do it. I checked online pages. I did a lot of research on other pages, how they are successful, what they do. And it's not expensive. I didn't invest money. <laughs> So I think it's all about being effective. Of course, you need to, let's say, invest some money in your, in your advertising, but it's way too cheap. 
especially Facebook. What about investing in just making websites going to look a little bit nicer or a little bit original? Are you, are you more into content or the design of a website, for example, or both? I'll tell you what I believe because um, I'm also searching about making my own website because I don't have an actual page for me. You don't? No. Isn't that a bit ironic? I, I thought you'd like have 16 different websites. I know. Yeah. I don't have my, my personal uh, blog. I write on Instagram. So for me, it's not enough. I want to write more things. And while I was doing my research, talking with the web developers, etc., in my opinion, a winery doesn't have to invest money on making a page because most of the people right now enter in a page uh, through their mobile. So you don't have to pay money to do like a huge design. All the people enter from the mobile. So you need a basic user friendly clean, minimal um, design, nothing more. So, so do you do the design as well or do you get, you just suggest keeping it really, it's basically the kiss, keep it simple, stupid, yeah? Keep it simple, I mean, of course we can check together some templates and see what they also like, but in my opinion, you just check a very nice, simple, minimal kind of uh, design and you're okay because in the end, what is really important is your content and people don't want to be bothered with extremely kind of uh, funky things complicated things. Yes. How, what about in Greece? Are wineries allowed to sell directly? Can they put a sales pitch onto their website? Yes. yes and you can order online? Yes, they can do that. And actually, um, Greece is a market that now invests a lot in the exports. We're a very small market. Mostly, we have uh, boutique wineries because people right now, we don't have really a lot of money to buy bottled wines. Do about in Greece, yeah? Or, yes. Or Germany, yeah. The, the thing is that because of the last years with the crisis and everything, the taxes have really affected the prices of the wines. So most of the wine producers are now looking for markets to export. So for us, it's very important to have a good, um, let's say, online presence, although we're still building on that. And um, it's important to invest in niche markets because we're small. So we go for um, New York, we go for uh, London, we go for Canada. Uh, good markets that we can have very good placement in restaurants, not in in shops, you know, or cavas. It's not something that for us will work. How important are native grape varieties in Greece in terms of marketing? Because it's a big thing in Italy. You know, one of the reasons we have this podcast is banging on about native grape varieties. And obviously Greece has a wealth of them. Is that is that a good angle? Yes. So, you know, in Greece, when people started... After uh, after the 60s, after the boom of, of Retsina and the death <laughs> of Retsina, people who started investing money in, um, let's say, producing good quality wine, they understood that if you want to be competitive and you're small, you need to be different. So in the beginning, they were producing Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon. Who wants to drink a Cabernet Sauvignon from Greece? I don't say that it's going to be bad, but you need to have, again, your footprint. So people started producing uh, since the 80s, they invested more in um, native uh, varieties, but also we produce a lot of blends for the newbies, let's say, to initiate you to the Greek wine. Blends of Greek varieties and international varieties. So step by step. Exactly. So you can drink a Greek variety, let's say, Limno with Syrah. <laughs> and for me, this is, this is um, I think, very interesting. So sort of hybrid um, hybrid wines. So what's your what's your next step? I have a lot of dreams. You take your, take your company public, it sells for, I don't know, six billion, <laughs> listed on the New York Stock Exchange. What what are you going to do now? What's your next trick? Are you going to stay in wine or are you going to do something different? Of course, I'm, I'm going to stay in wine. Yeah. I'm very, very happy that in a very small amount of time, I can be here, for example, talking with you, or I can be here today sharing after in a presentation my thoughts on the wine communication. So my my goal is to keep learning, to tell you the truth. 
I don't feel a wine expert. And I want to keep learning about wine. I want to find more ways to engage people who are afraid, let's say, to enter in the wine business or uh, in the wine world. I want to invite them here because in the beginning, when I started uh, my first steps in the wine industry, I had also people who were saying, okay, why you want to do that? You're not a producer. You're not an expert. Guys, I love wine. <laughs> cool. Okay. So I want to say thanks to my guest today. Uh, George, you have to say your surname again. Wine Genie. Wine Genie. There is your surname. Go on. Panagopoulou. Ah, my surname. Panagopoulou. So my surname is Panagopoulou. There we go. Chemical engineer turned wine communicator from Greece. It's been great talking to you. I learned a lot about your um, some of your communication skills and tricks and approaches. And I hope to see you um, in Greece. Are you going to move to Italy at some stage and give the Italians a kick up the bum in terms of wine communication as well? I would love to. Yeah. Let's see what the future will, will bring. So I don't know. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me over. Thanks today. for coming up. Thanks, Georgia. Ciao. Ciao. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 